can go off on it, but I, mean, I figure feel, we should. Feel we free. Should not. You know what? Feel free. This is your space. I'm creating this space for you. I will like be back here, like just cheering you on, holding your flower, holding your purse. Hello, everyone. My name is Mia, and welcome to Not As Young Adult, a podcast where I, an emotionally stunted 21-year-old, try to figure out why YA books, movies, TV shows, etc. are so appealing to people of all ages. Now, you can't really talk about YA without talking about the love triangle. Whether you're Team Edward, Team Jacob, or Team What If It Was Gay, you've probably encountered a love triangle somewhere in situation where two people were fighting over another person to discuss love triangles i've invited one of my lovely friends trudy who you may know from the book hose podcast trudy would you mind introducing yourself hello i'm trudy um i'm very excited to talk about love triangles because i'm a big romance hoe so this is going to be right up my alley yeah um let's get into it so now for this episode, we're going to do a little something different. Usually I have the lightning round questionnaire at the end as we're all saying goodbye, but you can't really talk about love triangles without knowing where everyone stands. So we're just starting off the fun little lightning round, this or that, so that we can get to know more about Shruti's opinions and also mine too, because, because this is my podcast. Shruti, are you ready? <laughs> yes. Number one, Team Edward or Team Jacob? 12-year-old me was Team Jacob. 28-year-old me doesn't care. Number two, Melina or Darkelina? Melina. Melina all the way, Melina Supremacy. Yes. Number three, Katniss and Peta or Katniss and Gail? Peta, definitely Peta. God, you are a person after my <laughs> own heart. Um, number four, Riley and Lucas or Lucas and Maya from Girl Meets World? Ooh, um, can I say Riley and Farkle instead? Honestly, I will accept that. But, you know, I kind of want to know, you know, just... All right, all right. Um, I would say Lucas and Maya. Friends to lovers or enemies to lovers? Definitely friends to lovers. And finally, love triangle or polyamory? Polyamory. Always polyamory. All right. Thank you for playing, Shruti. Now that we, we've gotten all, like, the sexy, spicy opinions <laughs> out of the way, let's have a real conversation. <laughs> Can't wait. So, Shruti, I know that, like, many people can't really stand love triangles, but, you know, since you specifically agreed to do a love triangle episode, I kind of have to ask, do you like love triangles? So, I think, like, with any trope, it can be – it depends on how well it's done how well it's written. Um, for the most part, love triangles are terribly written, and therefore I don't like them. But every now and then there's, like, a good love triangle um, – not so much in YA, though. I don't think I've encountered a good love triangle in a YA novel series that didn't make me want to, like, rip my hair out, unfortunately. Do you have any, like, good love triangles, like, outside of YA that you really like? Yeah, I think sometimes in, like, more, like, romance, like, adult romance, there tends to be – there could be, like, an introduction of a um, love triangle. And those I don't mind so much because, one, you either know, okay – this is meant to help like one of the characters develop or whatever. Or it usually ends up that there's like a sequel and the other person in the love triangle ends up with the love interest. So like everybody's happy and it all works out. So I prefer those. Love squares. Yeah. yeah. I like it. I like it when like the other person in the love triangle like, doesn't truly get like a short end of the stick since I always right. feel like that happens in YA. But it's also interesting because, like, yeah, uh, you said that, like, love triangles, like, do exist in some capacity in adult romances, but, like, they are so ubiquitous and, like, associated with YA. So, like, mm -hmm. I mean, why do you think that is? 
I think it's just that they got very popular because of certain series. Like, obviously, Twilight is the big one, and then The Hunger Games came right after. And I think it's just that era when YA books in general were getting very popular, and they just happened to have love triangles within them, that they just became, like, this huge thing. It's interesting because, like, you know, uh, love triangles were, like, this huge phenomenon, and yet, like, in these past two years, like, you haven't really seen any more of them. And, like, I feel like with like the shadow and bone coming out it feels like it's 2012 again exactly well because shadow and bone was written i think in that time so like that makes sense that it's coming back but no i definitely agree i feel like people just got love triangle fatigue and they were kind of sick of it i feel like people like very much like built their whole identities around like mm-hmm. which boy you ship with a girl like it was team edward and team jacob and now like melina's versus dark lena's is i think it's really when you have love triangles what ends up happening I've noticed is like people just tend to relate to one of the other characters and so then you know obviously you want the character you relate to to have the happy ending so therefore you want them to fall in love with the whoever the character is um and I think that I mean which is a fine way to you know consume media however you want to do it um it's just that becomes when it becomes like everything and you ignore all other parts of the narrative that becomes an issue I think Yeah, like, especially with, like, you know, Shadow and Bone, there are much more compelling parts of, like, both the show and also the book that, like, don't have to do Mm -hmm. with the romance. Of course, like, I'm only halfway through the first book, so, I mean, but you've actually read it, right? Yeah, I read the entire trilogy, and I mean, I always, and this is a big, this is a running theme on the book hose, I am the romance stan, so I am always going into it for the romance, so, like, if there's not a romance, I don't really care, so I read YA fantasies for the romances because I enjoy those parts of it. Um, but there are, yeah, there's definitely other parts that are like more interesting, especially with the Grisha trilogy specifically, um, because that series is just very, I don't know, it's very, it's just a very typical coming of age novel, um, that there's so much other stuff that's a little bit more interesting, like the magic and some of the friendships and stuff like that, that the fact that the love triangle is the thing that's like, you know, the identity of the Shadow and Bone, like saga just doesn't make sense to me so much, um, especially since, the love triangle isn't really a love triangle. Yeah, people love to project <laughs> love triangles onto things right. that's like, you know, obviously not. That's like obviously not. Just I guess is in one way just like to bolster their ship if it isn't canon, but also because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, it, we like to read things that are familiar to us, like onto other things, if that makes sense. Like we, it right. helps us pro- projecting familiar archetypes, lets us process new stories. I think that's just in general how we consume media is like we project our experiences onto whatever we're consuming and make it relatable and that's why like the whole representation stuff always matters and stuff like that and I think it's just interesting that obviously very much relates to how we deal with love triangles and romances in general and like what um, romances we tend to gravitate towards and actually enjoy Um, because I know there are some people who are like oh I prefer for instance Dark Lena because I relate to that idea of maybe we can have an abuser who is redeemed or someone who goes through a lot of trauma and is redeemed. And like, that's a totally fine way of consuming media versus there are other people who are like, Oh no, I actually want a guy who is like Mal because that's what I would want in real life. And some people are like, I don't want to deal with what my real life is. I'm reading this fiction as an escape and that's what I want. And like that I think is kind of the root of most love triangles or at least the idea of like the friends to lovers versus enemies to lovers nonsense that people like to project that is not actually a battle of any type, but you know, it's very much like one of those conversations that you see on Twitter and but then mm-hmm. like you go into like any real life conversation and you try to talk about it with someone and they're like, that's insane, right? Like that sounds absurd. Right. 
I think there's still valid conversations to have, but yeah, like you have to always remember reality at times when you're consuming, you have to consider reality when you're consuming media because media is not reality. I feel like there has to be like, you know, people have to find like a happy medium between, yes, media is not reality, but also Mm -hmm. media, the way we consume media reflects how the way we consume Mm -hmm. reality and vice versa. Yeah, exactly. I feel like there's a better way to explain it than the way I just said consume reality because that just sounds like I'm like eating the universe, but whatever. That doesn't matter. I mean, that's what capitalism is, right? Just consuming things all the time. Yeah, pretty much. But, you know, this is a fun, funky little YA podcast. We can't get into the evils of capitalism right now. That's This is not the dystopia episode. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do think I find it very interesting that a lot of these YA novels that have love triangles tend to be dystopian. Um, I mean, I guess Twilight is not dystopian, but at least like it's fantasy. Like they tend to be fantasy or like sci-fi or like not contemporary, I guess is the better way of describing it. Um, Because I think love triangles aren't actually super realistic. (laughs) They're not rooted in realism. So they have to be in like that fantasy genre as well. I noticed that too. Like, I don't remember if you ever read Matched. That was like a big one where it's just like she was assigned to a guy and then she was actually in love with another guy. And then there was, like, delirium where, like, love was a disease mm-hmm. and, like, love was forbidden, but it was still straight people in the YA series. Right. That era of YA books was a very confusing time. Yeah, it was very much just, like, fantasy and love triangles. And the thing about love triangles is always that, like, when you're choosing between, like, two love interests, you're never just choosing that. You're choosing between, like, two paths of your life, like, right. two versions of yourself that you could be. And I think... A lot of them are usually about like which path does the life want you want to go or like what life are you choosing and like each of those people are symbolizing that. Because again, love triangles tend not to be, I think especially in the YA novels, love triangles tend to be like symbols of the heroine or protagonist's like, you know, path and journey, um, which is a very interesting if you think about it from a narrative perspective. Um, but also if you just want, but then like, you know, you just want to have a fun loving romance and you're like, I don't care what path the protagonist chooses. I just want them to be happy and in love, which is also valid. You bring up a good point how it's usually the protagonist, because I feel like when like the love, the center of the love triangle is shifted to someone like not the protagonist, it's just, it feels less compelling to me. Like mm-hmm. with like the girl meets the world love triangle, of, like Riley, Lucas and Maya, like because like, it, because it was focused on Lucas at this point, like. I, I think, like, from the beginning, I pretty much knew that because Riley is the main character, like, it was going to be her and Lucas. Is It just didn't make, uh, you know, just, like, narrative-wise, like, no matter what I liked, it didn't really make sense otherwise. I feel like, especially from a book perspective, I think it's because you obviously are usually in their head, so you get their yeah. perspective and you can understand, you know, why do they actually care about these two different people? Um, but, yeah, I haven't thought about it that way. Like, yeah, because you just... Frankly, I did not care about Lucas too much. So it was like, I don't really care about this love triangle that much. You really do have to like care about, you know, like the person at the center to care about their choice. Because other than that, you're just like, hmm, why can't you just be single? But it's also like, why can't you just make a choice? Like it's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I I feel like a lot of like love triangles, things like they either fall into this trap of like, neither choice is all that compelling or, mm-hmm. like, one choice is obviously the favored of, like, the author or of, like, the writers. And it's hard to, like, have that tension otherwise. Like, you know, I feel like with a lot of things that are perceived as love triangles, like, it's very obvious the way that the creator leads. Yeah. There's intention there. 
I mean, I think you can do a good love triangle, like I mentioned before. And usually the be- the good love triangles I have read is it's really obvious that the even if it's really obvious what what the writer is like wants you to feel for, as long as the other character still feels like a good option, then I think I can buy into that love triangle. Like even if you know, okay, they're not going to pick this person because you know it's always been the other two forever, or it's like the other two have like you you can feel that the protagonist you know or whatever the middle character is is always feeling for this other for the first option the second option is still a good option mm-hmm. maybe for like for some other character then you're like okay i can buy why you would be like thinking about this even if it's like you know it's not going to actually matter in the end i think that's when you have a good uh, relative triangle is when all three characters are fully developed and you genuinely like them even if you're maybe not rooting for them to like end up together yeah yeah that that makes a lot of sense yeah, I think this is an unpopular opinion, maybe, but in the um, Jack the Ripper series, the third book, um, there is a mini love triangle in that book um, where it's obvious that she, the main character is not going to pick the new guy because she's been with the relationship with the other guy for like two books already. And, you know, that's not going to like go anywhere. Um, but it was still interesting because he like opened her eyes to like new perspectives, new opinions, like, you know, it helped character growth. And he was still a fully formed character who was interesting and you felt for him even though you knew that he was never going to be picked in the end. And I think those are like love triangles that I can get behind. Um, I just don't like it when you have two characters who are both like either one character who is obviously a terrible person or you have two characters who are just, why are you trying to make me decide between two terrible options in the first place? I definitely really like the point that you said about like, you know, how a new facet of the love triangle doesn't have to be like a full contender or to like you know create compelling story i i never like thought about it that way before that's really interesting i feel like a lot of it's it is very hard to like introduce a love triangle like late in the game though mm-hmm. oh it's just like you know with like the to all the boys i have loved before a series like yeah people a lot of people were into like john ambrose mclaren i hope i'm pronouncing his name right i can <laughs> never remember because he's a three name kind of guy uh, but but like you know you just you just had an entire book in like a half where like Lara Jean and Peter were falling in love and it's very hard to compete with that when you're like you're coming in after all of this history I think in that series so I have not read the second and third book of that series but I did watch all three of the movies Mm -hmm. and I think that was really interesting because I just didn't like Peter so Mm -hmm. when you don't like the first character you're like yes give me the second option it's Mm -hmm. obviously going to be better even if you know in the end that that's not going to work out um and I think that's Part of that happens to be the problem when you write a character who is not too flawed because you want your characters to grow and change. And obviously, um, but like, I don't know, there that was one love triangle, whereas like the option that, you know, she's going to pick in the end, in my opinion, wasn't like the best option, even though you like understand where she's coming from. I I read the first two books. I only watched the first movie, so I would so I think I'll definitely like check it out to see like what you mean because I think mm-hmm. back then, yeah, like I I think I was into like the Peter and Lara Jean thing just because like that was like what I dreamed about when I was in high right. school. I wanted a, a jock guy to pick <laughs> me up. That I had a lot of problems in high school, <laughs> but but yeah, like looking back, I'm interested in like you know how I you know end up perceiving John again because he is like a really stand up guy. Like he's he's compelling. I mean, I would understand like why anyone would want for Lara Jean to end up with him over Peter. Yeah, I mean, I do think that was one of those love triangles that I didn't mind so much because again, it was like a character who 
is awesome and you can root for and like is seemingly perfect although obviously he's not because he's a character who should have flaws but at the end of the day she cho- chooses the someone who she feels more for and you're mm-hmm. like okay i can live with that because you've seen that growth and development so it was okay um i just i tend to, what i've realized and i don't know why this is is a lot of especially when i was younger is a lot of the love triangles i tended to like the second option better um and I think it was because I just generally didn't like the main guy protagonist because they tended to be the more alpha male kind of character versus the second options tends to be either like, I don't know, not the evil guy necessarily, but there was just something different about him. They tend to be the nerdier guy or like softer in some way. Um, not always. I think they'd always varied, but I don't know. I always found that the second guy was a little bit more like charming and comp- um, compelling, but this is not always the case. This is just the couple that I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of like the mediator series by Meg Cabot before she, you know, made the second guy an evil ghost guy but that's a long story um and then there was another one that i was thinking of but a lot of the times the second option sometimes seems better just because the first guy was just like you i didn't care about you anyway i mean like um this isn't a k-drama podcast like they actually like have like an, a whole they have like a term for it for in like for k-drama mm-hmm. called like second lead syndrome where like everyone's mm, yes. just like so into like the second male and then, like, because, like, the first guy is just, like, a total asshole, which is really interesting because, I, because like, uh, I don't know, I always feel like, like, yeah, it, I want to root for the second guy, too, because just, like, I get the sense of, oh, if you're so into the first guy, then why did you fall in love with the second guy in the first place? Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, especially when they're, like, I think a lot of, okay, I think this is what it is. It's, like, especially at that time, you wanted heroes who were more of assholes and you wanted, like, the alpha, broody, whatever, which I never really was drawn to. So then you have the second guy who's different in whatever way and the protagonist is showing interest. And you're like, okay, well, why are you showing interest in this obviously better guy if you really were, like, super in love with the other one? Um, And now as an older person, I can, like, understand, hey, sometimes, you know, you feel things for people even if like fleetingly when you want to like explore other options but you know at the end of the day you know you're gonna go back and like there's a more mature outlook to it but at the yeah but definitely at the time when I was younger I was like this is dumb (laughs) it is really dumb and it can also like I feel like it is also like something about like the unexpected where like we're you know like how in like you know rom-coms like the heroine is always like in love with the guy for for like the first half of the movie and then like you know she slowly starts to fall in love with like another guy yeah Yeah. like sometimes like she'll have like a crush on the other on like some other dude but then she'll realize oh this other guy is way better it's just like in 27 dresses like she's in love with her boss (laughs) for like the first half and then like but the entire movie is like about like her falling in love with like this reporter guy that she met at a wedding there's like is this trope of just like oh you're in love with the wrong person now but the the right person is like just around the corner or is your best friend that you never knew a lot of people don't notice it but it is something that is like very a part of like the way we consume media and in I don't know. I think that that might be a reason why there is like that second lead syndrome of like, oh, yeah, I think the second guy is always better. Yeah, that's a very interesting. That's a very good point. Yeah, because there are a lot of movies and stuff like that where the first guy is usually the bad guy who you're like, no, we need to move on from him. I even noticed it in like the way they translated like the shadow and bone book to like the screen, like in the initial like shadow and bone book, like Alina is in love with like Mal, like from the, the very beginning. In mm-hmm. which like it very much sets him up as like the first lead the number one love interest which if you're watching if you've watched like a lot of romance 
movies a lot of like romance books like the first love interest always goes away so on a subconscious level like you are inclined to be like oh yeah mal mal is disposable he's gonna die soon like you know alina Mm -hmm. and the darkling forever but in the shadow and bone tv show like he they very much set up mal and alina as like these besties you know like we don't get alina's internal monologue so like maybe so like maybe she's in love with him maybe she's not but you know they are besties first um they don't really explicitly portray any like romantic feelings and so then like they set up the darkling at like the first romantic lead first and then like they do like the mouse stuff near the end which is like very interesting i don't know where i'm going with this no that's really interesting uh, the way we expect like the media to go i feel like the way like they set up these arcs you know has an impact in like the way we perceive like alina's romantic offerings in the future I hadn't even thought about that. But yeah, you're right. Because Mal is kind of set up as the first love interest in the books. Whereas in the show, he's not actually ever, we never actually, they never kiss, right? Or anything like that. So it's always platonic. Although, you know, there's leading up to that, like tension and stuff like that. Um, And that's really interesting because then you have, because I'm thinking, so I was just thinking of like um, Red Queen or even The Selection, where in those books, the first one, uh, the first love interest tends to, uh, in the selection, the first love interest is like the best friend who ends up being her ex-boyfriend. And then she like falls in love with like the real guy later on during her adventure. And that's kind of more in line with Shadow and Bone, but they're flipped because Mal is like the one she ends up with, whereas the Darkling is like the evil character. And I think, I do think Lee Bargadugo has mentioned before, like that was intentional. Like the guy who you thought she was going to fall in love with, you know, in this charismatic guy ends up not being that way mm-hmm. um ends up being the villain and i think that is also obviously interesting but yeah no i think i do think shadow and bone like switched that on for a reason but it's interesting that the tv show was like no we're gonna flip it back again um just to make sure that people understand that like the first guy isn't necessarily the right guy which is very interesting we've talked about like a lot of like shitty and like you know less than compelling mm-hmm. love triangles so far like you know if you were to write or create a love triangle like what would you do how would you do it Ooh, if I were to create a love triangle, um, I do think, so actually the two things I would do, one, I would want to make a bisexual love triangle because we do need more queer love triangles. I think that's important. Um, I think that would be really fun. You know, like I, I am a woman, so I relate to having a woman main protagonist. So it'd probably be like one guy and one girl. Mm-hmm. It's like the other two, like the choices. Um, I think that's interesting. I think having all three characters, like I had mentioned before, being well-developed and, like, interesting. Um, yeah, and I think really that's all you really need is to have two, three characters that are actually relevant and interesting. Um, having them all be friends, I think, is really fun. Like, especially when the two, you know, opposite ends of your love triangle are friends with each other. I think that's really fun um, because there's all that tension of, we love each other as friends and we respect each other and we don't want to step on each other's toes, but we're also both in love with the same person. I think that's really cool. Um, not to, not to be this way, but the lodge on Disney channel, which is, you know, relevant YA, um, is has a love triangle. Thomas Doherty, the guy from um, descendants yes. and gossip girls in that, right? Yeah. Yes. Thomas Doherty is in it. And the other end of that love triangle is Luke Newton who plays, um, who's on Bridgerton. So, oh. Yes. So two people. And what's interesting is this is actually one of, I think the first season, the first season is a whole mess, right? But it's like, it has the whole, the crux of it is the love triangle. And it's actually a well done love triangle, I feel. It's one of the few love triangles I was like, okay, this is actually well done. Um, because both characters are interesting. Both relationships are interesting. Because, you know, she meets 
the she meets Thomas Doherty first, and they have like a little connection. But he has a girlfriend, so they kind of back off. And she there's like a whole situation going, plot stuff is going on. So the other guy in the love triangle who actually doesn't like her because he's attached to the lodge that she's breaking down, et cetera, et cetera, plot things, right? He's like, okay, I'm going to save her and pretend to be fake dating her for reasons. So then they kind of have a little thing. And they're dating for, then they start dating for real because, you know, fake dating. But I think what ha- what I think is really interesting about that is even though he's like the convenient option and he's kind of actually, in my opinion, the better option, she still feels for the other guy because he actually saw her first. You know, they kind of connected first. And then there is a cheating storyline, which again, not a fan of cheating storylines, especially when it comes to love triangles. But this was one where I was like, interesting. But the point here is that the guys are actually best friends and they have a make it a point to like always remain best friends throughout all of this nonsense that is happening. And I think it's one of those things where you can have a messy, chaotic love triangle that's very dramatic and like not super healthy, but it can still be like somewhat, it can still be compelling and not like a complete disaster. And I think you can have a, you can, you can do love triangles well, as long as again, all three characters are kind of like, we're going to, we know that this is messy. We know, like, they're very self-aware. I think that's the key here. Is you got to have self-aware characters that you're in a love triangle. Um, and then, yeah. Now, just as a spoiler for anyone who is, a, is planning on now watching The Lodge, season two, however, completely ruins the love triangle in various ways, um, which I will not get into. But I will say that the characters, the characters are a whole mess again. And the girl, the main girl is like, I I hate her by the end because she's very annoying, which I hate because I love, I try not to hate the female characters in the center of a love triangle because I know a lot of people do because they tend to be indecisive, right? That's the whole point of a love triangle. But she was just really bad. But that's (laughs) that's another issue altogether. I don't know if I actually answered your question. I think that was fine. Yeah, but I think you brought up a good point. Yeah, I do think that more love triangle characters need to be friends. For some reason, I couldn't help but think back to Girl Meets World, which is just like that love triangle, it adhered to what you said, but in the absolute mm-hmm. worst way. Like they were self-aware. Right. They called it they a were, love that triangle. Was a whole, yeah, that was a different issue. <laughs> they called it a love triangle like 10 times an episode. And by the time I, they were done, I was just like, maybe none of you should be friends. I don't like any right. of you together at all. Right. And I think that was, that's another inter- inst- another instance of a love triangle that like, was not good. But you know what could have been a good love triangle? If they had put Farkle into it. And that's the thing. is I don't think love triangles are good necessarily. It's when you have a love rectangle that it gets interesting. Mm-hmm. Lost did this too. Because Lost had... This is not YA, but it's a love triangle. So Lost had the love triangle between Kate, Jack, and Sawyer. You know, one is like the one that met really early on. And they have more of like a partners in crimes vibe. And the other two have this more like... They have a lot more... Not more chemistry necessarily. But they have like a lot more like passion stuff going mm-hmm. on. And but then they introduce a new character, Juliet, into the equation. And what was really fun about her is that, you know, she brings out because you can obviously when you bring in a fourth character, you can team with the jealousy issues all together. You can bring out new new dynamics. And I think what is also fun is then you can have the other two characters get together. And that is always fun because then you're like, oh, everyone is happy and who they're actually supposed to be with. And I'm always a sucker for a happy ending. So I think love on triangles with a happy ending is the right way to go. However, this fourth person should not be, you know, the baby of the other two people. That that ruins everything. I'm sorry, the baby? Please expand. That was the Twilight reference. Oh my god, I completely... Yeah. I, it's okay. Were, I don't I, blame you for blocking that out of your memory. I make so many Twilight references just because I knew so many people who um, loved Twilight growing up. Mm-hmm. And yet I can never remember that the baby existed. <laughs> I don't blame you. I do not blame you. 
Yeah, but I do agree. Like, yeah. But I feel like with love triangles, like it can, when you add a fourth person, it it can feel very like pair the spares sometime. It can, yeah. Yeah. But like when it's done well, it's like done, it can be like really done well. Like, I mean, have you seen High School Musical, the musical, the series? I have not, but I have heard things. It's an okay show, but like, you know, I think they're trying, so like there was like a big love triangle between like Nini, Ricky, and EJ in the first season. And so like, and then there's another love triangle between like Nini, Gina, and Ricky. So like two girls in love with Ricky, two guys in love with Nina. So like with Nini, although she's going by Nina in the show now, which is a whole thing and that, and I can never remember what to call her. But yeah, so like after Ricky and Needy got together, like they started developing this EJ and Gina relationship, which I'm not actually sure how I feel about them like getting together romantically, but it is like a very compelling, it is a very compelling friendship. You just said that and this has reminded me. So again, with The Lodge, the two characters who get end up getting rejected at the end of season one end up because of plot reasons, you know, bonding, and then they get together by the end of season two. Um, even though they're probably going to break up, but that's fine because I happen to like them the best. And I've found that I tend to like those pair the spares, as you call them, relationship the most. I feel like even in Lost, again, the Sawyer and Juliet relationship was the one I enjoyed the most. So like always that like fourth relationship that ends up coming up, I tend to enjoy the most. And I think it's because they get to bond over either not like rejection a little bit, and then the idea of like, oh, these two characters who we were like, you know, feeling things with who are also happens to also our best friends or like together, we both have this joint, like misery that we can bond over and like heal together at the same time. So I think that's usually when I'm like, okay, with love triangles, because they have that third relation, that fourth relationship that's like more interesting. It's actually yeah. a third, I guess. Yeah. Third, fourth, whatever. I mean, triangles, <laughs> yeah. numbers, math. Math shouldn't be in writing anyways. But yeah, <laughs> I do agree. I feel, especially I always feel like with like a fourth couple or a third couple, like, you know, a pair of the spares beta couple mm-hmm. like that, there's like so much less drama between them also. Like, I feel like in general, like they're a lot healthier from what I've seen. I mean, I haven't seen every show or read every book, but just like mm-hmm. writers tend to like love to put their main characters through so many trials and make them yes. make so many mistakes and it's very nice to sometimes just see two people who enjoy one another's company get together right and I definitely agree with you and I tend to gravitate towards relationships like that and those are the ones I tend to enjoy more so I think that might be another reason because they yeah they tend to be like the healthier I don't want to necessarily say healthier but they tend to be like the calmer they're still interesting mm-hmm. um, because they've gone through individual drama usually um and then they come out together like from however they've grown and I think that's usually they're the more realistic ones I feel like in that way I don't know how realistic this is but I would also (laughs) love to see just like I would love to see more of like oh we're fighting over this boy but oh no we're getting together like Korra and Asami in Legend of Korra oh yes yes you know it would have been nice to see Riley and Maya get together in Girl Meets World instead of seeing whatever the fuck happened with Lucas I don't remember (laughs) I don't remember how Girl Meets World ended and I don't want to I definitely agree I think that would be really cool to have more of the people who are fighting being like wait a minute this is dumb why don't we just get together instead and especially when they're friends I think that's like a really great way to have a great twist on the friends to lovers relationship would actually be to be like hey we're two friends who are both you know into the same guy or same girl or whatever but instead we're gonna get together once we realize that this is dumb I think that would be great and I think we should have more of those love triangles I agree 
Yeah, I mean, it's also this thing of like, you know, if you want the same person, then you want the same thing out of a relationship. Mm -hmm. So then you're kind of on that same page already. And I feel like that just, it works. It makes sense. It's an interesting twist on a story and more people should do that. I definitely agree. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. It's it's very interesting though, because like, I, they, because like, have you seen Riverdale? I have not, but again, I've heard things. Yeah, so they also did, like, the adding a fourth person onto a love triangle thing with, although not really, with, like, because of the Betty and Jughead and um, Archie and Veronica, but it's, it's very interesting to me in Riverdale how, like, they're, in the original Archie comics, there was, like, this iconic, like, Betty, Archie, Veronica love triangle, and, like, they basically, like, they, it, they touch on a little in, like, the first half of season one and then they just like completely dropped it and then they like brought it up again like five seasons later after like having already having already established that like you know Archie and Veronica are for lack of a better term endgame but Mm -hmm. Betty and Jughead are endgame and just really interesting to see see that like you know how like they handled like how they handled bringing that like that iconic love triangle into 20 when did Riverdale come out? Twenty. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say it was 2018. I'm gonna Something say that. Like that. I'm gonna. I'm yeah. gonna be wrong, and I'm gonna say that. <laughs> that's okay. But no, I think that's. Yeah, I think a lot of adaptations have tried to like spin love triangles. What I have noticed actually, and this kind of reminds me of that, is a lot of love triangles. Sometimes I've noticed may have may deviate from the original plan. Um, like. I'm thinking of One Tree Hill, if we're going to go that way, mm-hmm. where I think the original plan was, well, so the original plan was definitely Lucas and Peyton for that mm-hmm. one, right? And they ended up going with that. But you, it's really interesting because the audience definitely resonated more with Lucas and um, Brooke. Mm-hmm. Her name is Brooke, right? Yeah, her name is Brooke. Yes, her name was Brooke. And I feel like the audience tend to relate more to that one. And I thought that was really interesting. I'm thinking again about Gossip Girl. Like you have Chuck and Blair is like the main, you know, main relationship. But then you introduce Dan and Blair and the, sometimes like the audience will relate more to that. And I think we get back to like what we were talking about earlier. of like that second man syndrome mm-hmm. where that first man was just so terrible that sometimes you're like, wait, maybe the second option is better. But I have noticed that there's sometimes where they'll just like fully hop on to that second relationship and like kind of ignore the first one um, in some ways. Um, whether that's good or bad, who knows, but like tends to be more with TV shows. And that usually is because of like actors and like chemistry and stuff like that. Yeah. So I think that's interesting. Two responses. Number one, um, Dan and Blair supremacy. I, Chuck and Blair should not <laughs> have ended up together. Maybe Dan and Blair shouldn't have ended up together, but that's, that's not a discussion we're having here. <laughs> but yeah. Um, number two on that topic of like, you know, audiences hopping onto things. I feel like that can, I feel like audience is like perceiving love triangles that uh, like that. And like hopping onto the second one can even like create love triangles that like weren't intended to begin with. Like, yes, I fully doubt that the writers ever, of Girl Meets World ever intended for Lucas and Maya to get together. I feel like it, I feel like they very much set up for, you know, Riley and Lucas to be the new Corey and Topanga no matter how ill thought out that was, but like because fans hopped onto that, they created that whole love triangle deal. That's very interesting because I, I okay, I have not watched Girl, Girl Meets World in ages. I don't think I actually ever watched the last season. It's but not that's good. really interesting. Yeah, because I always thought that they were setting up Riley and Farkle to be 
the end ship there, but who never was going to know? They probably weren't. I don't think the writers knew what they were doing, but like, that's fine. But no, I agree. I think that definitely the audiences can create love triangles that weren't there to begin with. Um, And I think that's why in some ways books are a little bit superior to shows when it comes to love triangles, because books at least know, okay, this is going to be my starting point. This is going to be my ending point. And no one can really influence how I'm going to get there because it's just the writer and them, them, you know, figuring it out. Um, So yeah, most of the love triangles that I've seen that have been good have been written versus I don't think I've ever seen, especially in like a long running TV show, a good love triangle because they usually are all like ruined by like the second season. Yeah. Yeah. There's always like a cheating trope somewhere. Like I don't see love triangle cheating trope as much in books as I do in TV shows. I mean, that might just be like a limited sample size, but I don't know. I think it again comes to like the genre, right? Because yeah. most of the time, I, most of the things I'm reading are romance. So yeah. if there's a cheating trope, it's because the two main characters are going to end up together or like cheating on their loved ones who are probably bad in some way because it's a romance novel. Um, in which case you're like, okay, fine. I can pretend I'm okay with this just for this one um, book that I'm reading. And in that case, I think that's different because again, it's written and you're not like invested in the other I don't know it's just it feels different because you the way that the narrative is structured you're supposed to be rooting for obviously those characters even though personally I don't I hate the cheating trope um but I feel like with YA there usually is not too much cheating that I can think of off the top of my head when it Mm -hmm. comes to books it's usually in the tv shows where it gets crazy usually CW tv shows yeah, and also Disney. I feel like there's like so many like Disney. Yeah, bre- there's so many like Disney breakups that have involved cheating. And like I remember just being a kid and being like, "Hmm, why do so many Disney boys cheat on their girlfriends?" Right. Like, like Disney, like Disney will do this thing where I'm going off on a tangent. Disney will do this <laughs> thing where like they'll have like this cute relationship, like Spencer and Teddy or Jake and Miley, mm-hmm. and then they'll and then they'll be like, "This isn't interesting anymore. I don't know how to break this up." Cheating trope. Let's go. Yep. Yep. Pretty much. Um, I think I'm going to throw in a small shout out there to Nancy Drew on the CW for being a wonderful show that does not use the cheating trope. Love Nancy Drew. Absolutely love Nancy Drew. Yeah. They had a mild love triangle, I think, in the first season, which technically I have not seen. But from what I heard, they had season. You haven't seen season one? I know. I need to go back and finish. Did you you just skip to season two? Yes, but that's irrelevant. So season one, however, I know was awesome. And I know there was like a mild love triangle that wasn't really a love triangle. um, And it worked out in the end. But I think the reason why Nancy Drew works is because, one, the writers are way better. And they all loved all of the characters. And Mm -hmm. you can tell that in the way that they write and like all the relationship dynamics. And I think that's why I love that show. So that is a good CW show. People say that Nancy Drew is bad just because, like, they, they like, think that they Riverdale-fied Nancy Drew. I mean, to a degree, they did, but also, like, they're all compelling characters. And, um, yeah, all the characters are wonderful. Like, Nick and George are a very cute ship. Sorry yes. for spoiling that for everyone. But it's like, okay, because Nancy and Ace are also a wonderful, cute Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, even, like, now that they're broken up, like, Nick and Nancy, like, they were still, they were, like, a very yeah. compelling couple for, like, however long they lasted no cheating they broke up you know in a mature way right and i think that's the again that's the thing with some of these ya like relationships which is a little bit off it's kind of related to love triangles is they tend to be very dramatic sized Mm -hmm. which i guess teenagers so for those of you who do not know i am a teacher so i do work in high school um teenagers are dramatic 
but they don't really have that dramatic love lives. Their love lives really are not like that soap opera-y. There are a couple every now and then, you know, like you have a period of a month when you have kids just coming in and telling you all this drama and you're like, I don't care, but fine, I'll listen to you anyway. Um, and like, that's fine. But for the most part, they're very, you know, calm. They're re- they have relationships here and there, and but they break up, you know, because they just stop talking to each other. But like, for whatever reason, the TV show needs drama. So they like dramatize it. And it's really annoying. Um, it can be fun at times, like I've mentioned, when you like go into it and you're like, okay, I'm not going to be invested in anything, then that's fun. But if you're trying to be invested in relationships, um, you're, it's, it's just a mess with YA TV shows, which is why I do think books are better in that way, because you know what you're getting into. And you will, for the most part, you know, okay, these two characters are the ones that are going to end up together. Like you read the blurb of the book and you, you basically know right. what it's going to be about. Uh, it's not the it's not really the same with like TV shows. Because again, like writers can change their minds or audiences can influence or, you know, whatever. Actors have to leave and contracts and all that kind of stuff. So, like there's all kinds of other things that are going on with TV shows. Which can make them more interesting in that way because you it's unpredictable, but sometimes you just want predictability. So, although like I feel like I need to add a warning that like you know not all books are created equal. Um, mm-hmm. Don't read like I know like the Throne of Glass series by Sarah J. Mass has like some insane love triangles. That's not a good love triangle at all. Don't read no. any Sarah J. Mass books. No. We, we avoid those. This um, is a Sarah you, J. Mass hate podcast, and I haven't even read her books. I've just, like, read snippets and, like, you know, excerpts, and I'm just like, nah. I would me. be amiss to my fellow book hoes if I did not also mention that we do not appreciate Cassandra Clare and her love triangles. So that's another one we do not appreciate. Are Jason Clary, like, siblings? Like, I never really understood. <laughs> <laughs> so from what I understand, they thought they, they got together, then they found out they might that they were siblings, so they, like, were like, okay, we can't be together, and then there's the angst because they wanted to be together, even though incest. But then they, in the end, I think they found out they weren't actually siblings. So, you know, whatever. Please stop doing this, the sibling or, like, we thought we were siblings or not trope. That's really weird. I don't want to think yeah. about that when I'm, when I'm watching a show or reading a book. Just, like... Just make them a couple or give them a normal conflict. Don't make, don't have them. I I know like, like Dan and Serena in Gossip Girl like have like yes. a shared brother and also Betty and Jughead in um, Riverdale. Just stop doing that. Stop, stop. Yeah, I've noticed that a lot of YA romances are doing the, while we're together, our, our single parents are also going to get together. And I'm like, what? why? Now you're step-siblings. <laughs> you're still siblings. I guess if you met first, like it's not as big of a deal. Like, and then your parents met right versus like your parents met and like that's how you met i don't know it's very complicated it's very weird and like i don't want to think about that so let's not do it yeah so do these adults not have like tinder or something like they you know there's (laughs) there's i feel like there's more options than like dating the parent of your child's significant other but yeah yeah i I feel like that's like a whole little like rabbit hole that like i don't have the mental energy to get into yeah i mean yeah there's a lot of ya tropes that are like why are these tropes why are these tropes that we have to do but oh well it's not even like a compelling trope too like you know what does dating your past your dating someone who you could be related to have to do with have to do with like becoming a hero or whatever at least love triangle like that says something about character development what does dating your possible brother have to do with character development i mean if you want a serious answer it's the forbidden love trope but in actuality, I mean, I agree. I agree. Like, we don't need that. Well, we're coming up on time, so, and I don't want to keep you. So, yeah. Um, 
Trudy, do you have any last words to say to our audience? Um, anything you want to promote? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's been so much fun to talk about love triangles. I love talking about romances in any form. So it's always fun. Thank you. Um, but yeah, you can listen to me and my two other co-hosts on The Book Hose. Um, we're a podcast where we talk about books. We talk. I talk a lot about romances, but you know, Grace, my, my co-host, is a big mystery and horror fan, and Sarah just reads whatever. So we have fun time. We do group reads together. You can follow us on at the Book Hose on Twitter, and we are Book Hose Pod on Instagram. And then you can find us on any podcasting platform that you want. But on that note, we're signing off. Until then, I'm Nia. Reminding you that if you're ever in a love triangle situation. It is 100% okay to be single too.